So glad, uh, as I said earlier, that you're all here. Merry Christmas. Uh, it's great to have you. It's uh, pretty, actually, a wild story if you think about it. Like, I don't know about you, but I grew up in church, and so, um, you know, that's, that's the story I've heard so many times over and over and over again. And so it, it kind of becomes more of a story than it does a reality. But if you think about it, if, like, this is the first time you ever heard that story, it's pretty crazy. There's so many things happening. There's, like, adventure and travel, and there's a scandal. Uh, there's, like, a little soap opera marriage thing going on. Like, whose baby is it? The Lord's. Are you serious? I'm serious. I don't believe you. I don't blame you. It's just good stuff. Um, and if you are one of those people, like I was for a few years of my life, if you're the type of person that looks at a story as wild as that and says, you know what, Taylor, it is exactly that. It is a wild, crazy, unbelievable story, and I'm not sure that I do believe it. I am really glad you're here. I'm going to say that again. I'm really glad that you're here. Because a lot of times when we come to church, especially like Easter, Christmas, we come to church because that's what you do, and we came with family, but really not sure about the whole Jesus thing. And when I say that we're really glad you're here, we really are. Because 75% or so, give or take, uh, of people here at Infuse are people who have not been to church in over two years or have really never been meaningfully in a church. And so uh, you are well at home here um, because we're a church of imperfect people exploring faith and finding community. And exploring is full of doubts. Exploring things is full of questions. And that's really good stuff that we're not afraid of um, because questions lead to truth. And we wanna help you in that journey of discovering truth. It may not end with Jesus, but I'm just saying over years and years of figuring this out, uh, I think that that's the end result. But we would love to help you, not just today, because I think today could be a little helpful for you, uh, but also throughout the year. We just don't do this one time a year. We do this uh, pretty much every Sunday, other than tomorrow. Don't come tomorrow. We're not gonna be here tomorrow. But, and we're not gonna be here next Sunday, online next Sunday, but we will be back on the 8th, so you should be here for that. Anyways, back to the story here. It, and if you are someone who is uh, a Christian, you consider yourself a Christian, today is going to be really important too, because regardless of where you are in the faith spectrum, um, we have something in common. We all have something in common. You kind of got it if you were here right at the start when you did the funny video, and that is that Christmas can be stressful. Anybody know that? This is really profound. You're so glad you came today. You're like, wow, this is so profound teaching. I know. Christmas can be stressful. If you are a kid or you are a student in the room, like you don't live on your own, okay, I want to ask you something for a second. You don't have to answer out loud. Do your parents ever get set, upset around Christmas? Were they upset at you today? Someone said yes already. Yeah. It was uh, stressful. That's why they were upset. My three-year-old, and I kid you not, I am not exaggerating, I am quoting to you my three-year-old's words to me on our bed. She's jumping, and I am maxed out last night, and, and I, you know, express my uh, dissatisfaction with the situation at hand. And she looked at me, three-year-old, and she says, Daddy, why do you go, Rrr? Because Christmas can be stressful, sweetheart. That's... That's why. Um, and, and kids know this. I mean, if you're, if you're a kid sitting here, you know that Christmas can be stressful, especially, for example, when you don't get what you asked Santa for like months ago, and Santa didn't come through for you, and does that make you happy or mad? Exactly. Fantastic. Everybody in here this is right on cue. It makes you mad. It's stressful and upsetting and frustrating. And adults, 
Christmas is stressful, isn't it? Because you got family, you know, to rearrange and order and get to the right place at the right time and the right way. Or maybe it's stressful because you don't have that and the stress of the loneliness or, or the distance between you and those that you love. Um, for some of you, it's just the whole gift-giving process, figuring out the gifts, wrapping the gifts. Anybody else have to still do that yet tonight? Yeah, we should have a party. Okay, me too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, or then you like travel really far and you go to places, right? And then the people that you know, you're going to see that live like a lot closer to that place than you do are late, and you're like, seriously, how can you be late? Um, or you show up at that place or that family gathering or whatnot, and you're not even sure that the people there appreciate that you're there, that you made the journey, or there's food issues because you're not that great of a cook or they're not that great of a cook, and so the food's disgusting, but you put on a smile and say, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, it's stressful. Uh, political disagreements, I mean, you name it. There's just so many dynamics around Christmas. And I wanna tell you, I'm gonna let you like peel behind the curtain, look behind the curtain. One of the reasons that there is a lot of stress, in fact, we've kind of talked about it for the whole month of December um, on Sundays, but another one of the reasons why I think there is so much stress around Christmas is because Christmas has become, become more about you and the yous beside you. It could be the yous literally sitting beside you right now or the use that you will sit beside at the Christmas gatherings. But Christmas has become more about you and the use beside you. And the use in your life and the use beside you don't always make the best decisions. And because Christmas has become about those use, it gets stressful. Let me explain. When you came in, hopefully, some of you got a little bitty, bitty crown like this, okay? A little bitty crown. If you're watching online, I'm holding up a crown. It's really difficult to see, but it's a tiny crown, okay? When you came in, you got a crown. Now, imagine just for a second that this crown is on your head. If it would help, you can put it on your head. Hopefully, you can find it after you put it on your head, but just imagine that it's on your head for a second, okay? Online, you don't have a crown, but imagine. If you have a crown maybe in your house, put it on. Nobody's watching, it's online. Just put on a crown, okay? All of the stress and all of the strain around Christmas, around the dinner table and all around the family gatherings at Christmas, I think has to do with the fact that everyone's trying to be king, everyone's trying to be king or queen and wear a crown. And what, is a, what does a king want in life? They want what they want, when they want it, with whom they want it, where they want it. That's what a king wants because they're king. And when you don't get what you want, what happens when a king doesn't get what they want? What, what does the king do? Yeah, they yell, just like your parents. They yell. Sorry, that just slipped out. Okay, yeah. Sorry, like I've caused some discussion to be had on the drive home. Mom, you're a king, you're a queen. Okay, anyways, yeah, because there's a bunch of kings or queens at your Christmas ga gatherings, and they're all competing for attention. That's why at the dinner table at Christmas gatherings, it sometimes feels like you're tiptoeing around what you can and cannot talk about, right? Because you don't want to upset all the other people who think they wear the crown in the family. But you also think you maybe have a right to that crown. And so you walk around with eggshells, not trying to upset anybody. 
A lot of times we go to Christmas or Christmas service and we dress our best and we make sure we look good and, and have great appearances and we talk about all the good things that are going on in our lives at Christmas times. Why do we talk about that? Because sometimes we kind of feel like the king. Or I don't know if you ever had this um, where nobody asks you about you and they all talk about themselves at the family gathering. That's, that's king behavior, isn't it? Kings don't ask how you're doing. Kings tell you how they're doing. And I think that's why one of the reasons we get frustrated and stressed out about Christmas And it's not just adults, it can be kids too, because kids, you know, again, when you don't get the present that you want, you get upset. And in that moment, sometimes kids, you're putting the crown on and and you're being the king or the queen. So I want to talk about this and I wanna offer up a solution to you, nothing that you have to accept or believe in or trust in, but I do wanna offer a solution of why, especially around Christmas, we get so stressed out and it's so terrible sometimes and how that has to do with these little crowns. Two, two characters I wanna start by introducing you to. You know who they are, you kinda of heard about them a little bit in the video, okay? They're from the Christmas story, from Matthew chapter two is where we're gonna to be today. And the two characters I wanna introduce you to start in Matthew chapter two, verse one through two. And here's how this reads. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, that's character number one, and he has a crown. He is in charge of what you now know as modern-day Israel and then some, okay? He's under the Roman uh, emperor, by the way, but, but he's kind of the uh, sub-king, if you will. But he's also known as King Herod the Great, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. So that's King Herod, number one. Number two are the Magi, and the Magi are a second character, and they're from the east. And they came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews. And the reason they came all this way is because they say, we saw his star when it rose. And we don't know exactly who these mystical magi men are. There's a lot of assumptions, but generally, historically, we know that a magi is going to be someone who dabbles a little bit in mysticism, but almost positively, they're going to have something to do with astrology. They watch the stars. Because that was a really big deal back in those days is to watch the stars. Sometimes it kind of is today as well, but they watched the stars intently and they saw, saw a new star. And stars in their minds weren't balls of gas flaming in the sky like we know them today. They were the domain of the gods. So anytime something new or different happened in the stars, it probably had something or some impact to do with the gods. And these magi connected this star over Bethlehem to be somehow tied to the Jewish prophecy of the coming Messiah or Christ or King of the Jews. And they came seeking him out. Now when Herod found out that perhaps this Messiah or this King of the Jews had been born, he was not happy. In fact, it says this, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, disturbed. And not only him, but all of Jerusalem where he ruled from, all of Jerusalem with him. They were upset. They were angry. He was probably disturbed in part because he was afraid because someone was potentially coming after one of the most important things to him, which was his crown, right? Which was the fact that he was king. And a lot of times, 
We do too. Like, we're not Herod, but we're not that far off from Herod. Because we think it's to our benefit as well to be our own king and to be our own queen. And some of you, in fact, this is part of the reason why you've left Christianity. Because you grew up going to church or around church enough to kind of know more or less what it was about. But as you grew older, you decided that you were kind of above it. You were better than it. That those myths or those um, legends about Jesus or the Bible or the stories or whatever, you were kind of more or less better than it. And in so doing, you made yourself king over it. You made yourself king over it. And so you left Christianity because you decided somewhere along that line, and maybe you haven't thought about it quite like this before, but that you'd make a better king or you'd make a better queen. And that's totally understandable. And part of the reason that that's understandable that you did that is because I believe, and think about this on your drive home, but that we always need or look for a king or queen in our life. We look for someone or something to crown as king in our life. Often we pick ourselves, even though we know we don't make great kings because we're full of insecurities, we're full of doubts, we're full of guilt and shame, and we let ourselves down and we let others down. But we think it's in our best interest to make ourselves king of our own life. But it doesn't always work out too well. Because again, what is the thing about a king? A king or queen believe that they get to do what they want to do when they want to do it, with whom they want to do it with. They want their way or else the highway. C.S. Lewis wrote a really good book, that guy who wrote the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series. He also wrote some very, very adult, powerful, deep books. It's a very quick read. One of the books he wrote was The Great Divorce. It's not about divorce. It's about heaven and the other place. Okay? And that other place he described as something very unique, not what we traditionally think. And there's good reason behind it. We can't or don't have time to go into it. But what he said is his version of the other place was a place where everyone was their own king. And everyone got to do what they want, when they wanted, to whom they wanted to do it to. Imagine, tomorrow you woke up and everyone could get away with whatever they want and got everything they wanted. Imagine just the chaos in your household alone. Imagine the chaos at Christmas gatherings if everyone got to do what they wanted when they wanted. Be mad, right? And that's what he described as the other place. And I don't know about you, but when I think about that, to me, it's frightening. To me, it's scary. It's chaos, and it's terrible. Chaos, and it's terrible. Or, if you don't make yourself the king or queen, excuse me, you can make other people, or other things, rather. You can make other things. You can make your, king, your career king, your job king. You can make your income king. You can make your bank statement or bank balance or the, your total wealth king of your life. Uh, you can make your spouse. Some people will make their spouse king or their savior in their life. Um, the amount of stuff that you have king in your life. Even though deep down you know that doesn't work either because those kings will never be enough. And those kings don't love you. You still chase it, thinking, 
well, one day I'll make it. One day it will be enough, knowing that it won't. And that was King Herod. King Herod lived a life like that. You can go read the King Herod of history, not just in the Bible. There's really no difference. For example, in King Herod's relationships, if he didn't like you, especially family members, if he felt threatened by you, if he felt for an instant, for any reason, that you were after this thing in his life, that he was king, if you were after his kingship, he'd take care of you. Didn't matter how close in relationship to you he was, he would take care of you. And so it's really no shock that in the biblical story, um, he goes after all the small boys in Bethlehem. It really fits with who Herod was in other historical texts. But he was also king in how he lived his life. He built many buildings and temples and feats of economy, economic growth. Uh, he lived super lavishly. I mean, he made palaces for himself all over the Judean countryside. It's absolutely crazy because he was king, but it was never enough. And if you think about it, all of those things that were never enough for him, he could never have enough of them. He couldn't even be at all of them. He had so many of them, all the palaces and stuff, are today ruins. They're nothing. I've been there. I've walked on them. And they're falling apart. They're being washed away. Not worthy kings, in my opinion. So we could be like King Herod. We could make all those other things king, or we could consider what the Magi did. Here's what the Magi did. The Magi, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. They bowed down. They saw a star. They saw a child. And their response was not to show their kingship, their lordship, how good they were in comparison. Their response was to bow down and worship. And then, it goes on to say, they opened up their treasures and presented them with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which are gifts that you would give to a god or to a king. And they gave them to Jesus. Even though at Christmas there were people like Herod and people in Jerusalem trying to make themselves king, make themselves better, the the Magi realized at Christmas The whole significance of Christmas was that Jesus was king. Jesus was king. And we all have crowns in our lives. We all have these. But where we place them matters significantly. Where we place them matters significantly. Because where we put these crowns, you know that it will guide your life. If the king of your life is money, then you will live and make your decisions and prioritize your life and inform what you say and how you treat others based on their value and monetary worth. Because that's your king. That's your Lord. If you make yourself king, then people need to treat you as as such. But it's a miserable, lonely life because people will resent you for the fact that you always act better than they do. Uh, act like you're better than they are. You 
you will always put this somewhere. But where you put it matters. And I just want you to consider, especially at Christmas, what better time? Consider, not that you have to give your life away. You could today, but you don't have to. But I'd like you to at least consider that this crown, the crown of your life, who is Lord and King in your life, could go on the head of that child just like it did for the Magi. A child who would grow up to be a man. A man who over the course of his life did not come to condemn. He didn't try to fill up all the things that you did wrong in a bucket and dump them at your feet and make you feel guilty and ashamed and terrible, make you feel condemned for all that you have done. You know, he came to heal the broken, give hope to the hurting. He, he saw people in sin, and when everybody else was ready to judge them and pass judgment and act like king over other people's lives, he said, no, that's not me. You throw the first stone. I will forgive. He's a king who came to earth in a way that no other king has. Not powerful, not wealthy, not clothed in the glory in which he could have been, but just like you and I do. As a baby, vulnerable, mortal, set to endure all the stress and suffering and pain that life brings, just like we do. But that's not what kings do, remember? Kings live above that. Kings live, live lavishly. Kings live better than their subjects. But this king does not live better. This king came to dwell among us. He was a king who was patient, who was kind, who was defined by mercy, who prioritized people over religious policy, grace over judgment, truth when it could transform people. Jesus, as we say in our kids' environments every Sunday, Jesus came to be our friend forever. He was a king that didn't come to be served, but to serve. He, to me, he was a king worthy of our consideration because he washed the feet of his subjects. He watched, washed the feet of people who betrayed him. He was king of man, yet he died so that man could live. To me, that, that's, that's the magic of Christmas. Yes, the lights are cool. And yes, all the carols and songs and food and music, they're fun. But the heart of it, the purpose of it, the thing that frees us from the stress and the burden that Christmas can so often become to free us from ourselves sometimes, to free us from those around us, not in a bad way, but in a healthy way, that's why he came, that kind of a Christmas. What king gives his life so his subjects may live? A king who is love, a king who is merciful, a king who serves others. Imagine your Christmas gathering. If everybody got together and they took their crowns and they put them aside, or even better yet, they put them on the head of the man who the whole reason for the whole gathering, the whole Christmas thing is about, and that's Jesus. And everybody came into the room humble, curious, patient, and kind, and loving, 
not trying to one-up each other, not trying to be heard, not trying to be the most important, but to just simply love. That they were okay not wearing this, not being in charge. They didn't want people to have to walk on eggshells around them. Do you think it would make a difference in your Christmas experience if everyone that you come eyeball to eyeball with decided that they weren't the king of Christmas and they didn't act like it and instead they acted like the real king of Christmas and all that he did and we didn't have to sit there across the table from our loved ones the ones we really try to love difficult to love and they didn't try to manage agendas they simply tried as a family, your family, to just worship and celebrate like the Magi did. To me, that would be good news. It would certainly be less stress. So here's what I want you to think about. This Christmas, who or what will have the crown of your life? Because you will give it to someone. You have given it to someone. Yourself, you've given it to something. Maybe it's changed throughout the years as you've learned and grow, but someone or something will always carry the crown of your life. Who or what will you give that to this year? And my friends, you will always find it easier, just a little hint, you will always find it easier to put this crown on yourself. You will always find it easier to put this crown on money or anger or your career or power or your business or something like that. And it's always gonna be easier to do that. It's always gonna be so tempting to do that. And the reason it is, little, little secret here, the reason it is, is because those kings, if you don't give them attention, will leave you behind. And you don't wanna be left behind. They will leave you behind because they're not merciful kings. They're not loving kings. They won't forgive you. If you do not pay attention to your finances, they will leave you behind. They're not merciful. If you don't pay attention to your career, it will leave you behind. But don't let it be king. However, you will always, always find it easier to put the crown on that versus Jesus who forgives, who, if you read the Bible, it's this amazing story over thousands of years of God trying to come back to his people, come back to his people, come back to his people after they try to put the crown on someone else, on something else, on themselves over and over and over again, and yet God returns over and over and over again. Why? Because he loves. The God in the manger, the king in the manger, loves you enough to leave heaven. I don't know what it would take for you to leave heaven. To me, if there's heaven and I'm there, I love y'all. Probably not coming back, if I can help it unless you're in real trouble. Maybe then I'll come back. But I'm not coming back. To leave heaven, to serve you, to die for you because he is love, because he is God's love. He is love and light in the world. That's why here in just a few moments, we're gonna do a candle light song and we hold candles up and we light each other's candles and we share that light with one another because it is joy, because it is good news, because it is light in darkness in our challenges and in troubles. We have free will. No one will ever tell you or be able to force you to put the crowd of your life on someone else's or something else without your choice. You always have a choice. 
So choose wisely. Because it's like the song O Holy Night says. I love one of the lines that says, the weary world rejoices. And one of the reasons I think the weary world rejoices is because the world is just tired of all the fighting between kings. Do you ever get exhausted by that? You turn on the news, you read the newspaper, whatever it may be, and what do you read constantly? Or who has the crown? Who has the biggest crown? Who has the best crown? And it's also temporary. It's also trivial. And the person who often has the crown doesn't even really care about you. That's why I think a weary world rejoices when the real king, the loving king, the sacrificial king, sacrificial king is crowned. So I want you to go home and I want you to take this crown and I really ask that you just put it somewhere, somewhere where you'll see it every so often, especially in a place maybe that you'll see it when you're stressed, when you're overwhelmed, when you're angry, when you're frustrated, when you're afraid. Because at that moment, those are the moments when you have to look at your life and you have to say, well, who's holding the crown of my life? Who's in charge? Who defines me? Who sets my worth and value in this world? The king does. And is that king worthy to set that for you? Should that king set your worth, your value? Does that king even love you? Let this serve as a reminder. Do you want to live a life like Herod, where you may be called great by history, but everything, everything that you stood and valued for has washed away? Or as a magi, who comes and worships and bows before Christ the King. If you would, bow your heads and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, help us to recognize sometimes a painful truth that we aren't our own best king or queen. That We, like everyone else, have doubts and shortcomings, insecurities and fears. That we have pains and scars, not just on the outside, but on the inside as well. And that part of that is because we have had people in our lives acting as kings without loving us, as they probably should have. And that we ourselves sometimes act like kings and queens of our lives, but we don't even sometimes make decisions in our best interest. That sometimes we do things that certainly fall short of even our own expectations, let alone yours, Lord. Help us to recognize that, not so that we feel bad about ourselves or we feel worth less, but so that we can come to terms with the fact that maybe someone else should hold the crown of our lives, especially at this time of year, the time of year that we celebrate the birth of your son, that perhaps you, our creator king, deserve our love, that perhaps you are, in fact, the best king for us that in fact you are a perfect king 
who is willing to die for us because you love, that you came not to condemn, but to save. And that's who you are. And that you want for us things like peace that passes all understanding because you are Lord, not us. We don't have to live up to that expectation. We just have to be loved by you and love you back. Lord, help us to wrestle with that news. Maybe it's the first time we've heard that news in a long time or ever. Help us to wrestle with us. Help us to not just walk out these doors and just kind of forget about it and go through the motions, but to be reminded of it, to think about it, to confront it, especially in the stress moments of life, that we would look at these crowns and remember and think about who really should be king, who really is the best king of my life, the best king of my spouse's life, the best king of my children's life. Is it me? Is it someone else? Who's going to be the rock in the storm? Who's going to see us through the trials and the stresses? Lord, be with us this Christmas. Humble us this Christmas so that we understand what really is good news this year. That a king was born, not to be above us, but to be with us. To walk with us, to love us. To show us our purpose. To show us what love really is. Lord, help us to trust that this year, especially as we sing a song together, especially as we light a candle in the darkness to give us hope and a peace that passes all understanding. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.